Good morning. We come today to worship together, to be together here in this hall and across time and space. Welcome. I'm Matthew Johnson, Senior Minister of the Unitarian Universalist Church in Rockford, Illinois. Our worship team this morning also includes my colleague, Reverend Joyce Palmer, Tim Anderson, our music director, as well as our worship associate, Matthew Huckstep-Fields. Leading our religious education program outside this morning is Lindsay Trank, our Director of Religious Education, and Lauren Smith, our Religious Education Assistant, as well as some wonderful volunteers. Uh, Amy and Allison are out there today. And speaking of religious education, uh, someone asked me the other day, where are all the children? Well, they're outside. They've been outside since we've come back, and they'll stay outside uh, until the weather turns too rough, and then they'll be downstairs. Of course, our children under 12 are not yet eligible for vaccination, and so we're keeping them safe by being in the safest place, which is outside. Plus, they're learning to love nature and look at bugs under the microscope, and they're having a great time. But we need your help. We need more folks who will regularly volunteer, who will pick up one Sunday a month on a regular basis uh, with either our little kids, five and under, or our bigger kids, uh, first grade and up. Uh, And you work with Lindsay and Lauren, uh, who give you what to do, and you just gotta be there and explore nature with the children. That's the job. And uh, the more who do it, the less everyone has to do it. Uh, Some of our volunteers have a hard time saying no So if some of you don't say yes, they'll say yes every week, and that's not fair to them, right? So please see me, Reverend Joyce, Lindsay, or Lauren after the service if you're willing to be uh, helping out in religious education. And welcome. Welcome. Whether you are here with us in person or watching online, live, or later, welcome. For those of you in person, reminders, masks are required for all regardless of vaccination status unless you are a worship leader when you are leading your element. Uh, We decided a few weeks ago that in respect to the current guidance from our national office um, that we will not sing out loud as a group. Uh, We will hum. You're welcome to hum in your mask. We have some motions that we will show you if you haven't already for the chalice lighting response song and the sung benediction. Um, Today we've got a song that we can clap to and we're going to have someone make sure that they clap on the right beat. and you all watch what they do, it's gonna be great. Um, So we're trying to participate in body because one of the things we miss uh, when we can't sing together is participating in body in the same way. So a hum, please, uh, unless your name is Tim Anderson. If you're online, say hello to those who are watching online uh, and those others who are here with us. uh, Welcome, we're glad that you are here. Whether you're here live or you're watching later, we're thrilled to have you joining us. And if today is your first day with us, online or in person, we're very glad that you are here. If you didn't already check in at the guest table, uh, do so on your way out. Introduce yourself uh, so we know who you are and we can be in touch. Are you ready? Let's begin. So I invite you to sing in your heart, hum into your mask. You may stay seated if you wish. We'll sing our, Tim will sing our hymn of the month, With Joy We Claim the Growing Light. associate today, Matthew Fields Huckstop. We gather today for worship. All over the world, you are joining us. 
We who are leading are here on this land, which is the homeland of the indigenous Ho-Chunk people and was a gathering place for many local nations. We acknowledge the injustice of the theft of this land by the settler colonial state and acknowledge that our community includes descendants of both those whose land was taken and those who took it, as well as those whose ancestors or you yourself arrived well after these events. We are invited to learn this true history, to form more just relations, and we seek to move towards justice and repair. We are humbled to be on this sacred ground. We gather today for worship, and as we gather, we join in our sacred ritual. The flaming chalice is the symbol of our faith, a beacon of truth, a fire for justice, and a warmth for the soul. As Matthew lights our chalice here at the church, let us speak together the covenant of our church. Love is the spirit of this church, and reason is its guide. To dwell together in peace, to seek truth and freedom, and to serve human need. This is our covenant. Reverend Matt, are you going to go over the hand signals? Well, we're all learning this together, so I invite you to join in some simple motions for our child's response song. May love shine forth through us today. May light of reason guide our way. May beauty, truth, and joy become a flame that burns in everyone. gather for worship together. We hold in our hearts the members of this congregation who are experiencing loss, grief, sorrow, memory, relief, all those complicated feelings that come when one we love comes to the end of their days, sometimes after long suffering. I know members of this church whose siblings have recently come to the end of their days. On Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 18th, we will remember the life and celebrate the memory of Marty Blomgren, beloved to many here in the church who died earlier this year. The service will be outside in a tent on the lawn outside here. The families ask that uh, you only attend in person if you are vaccinated and that you wear a mask. They have grandchildren who are not yet eligible and we want to keep them safe. Uh, and there will be a stream uh, to watch online as well. That's one o'clock on this Saturday, and we hope that you might come if you knew Marty and Steve well and be with them. A service uh, to celebrate the life of Val Dunnigan, who was a member of this congregation uh, before moving northern, into northern Wisconsin, it will be Sunday at one in Milton, Wisconsin. And if you knew Val, and uh, you can look up the obituary and attend the service up there. We gather for the spirit of worship. I invite you to breathe in and out and be present here. This service, the Sunday after Labor Day weekend, is traditionally our homecoming. Except we don't leave for the summer anymore in the same way, especially not this summer when we only came back in person in the summer. You can find a day to celebrate a new year any day in the calendar. Rosh Hashanah just happened. We've got January 1st in the Julian calendar, and early February is when the Chinese New Year comes around. If you're a Celtic pagan, the new year begins at Samhain on October the 31st. The point of all this is that any day can be a day you say, this is the beginning. So how about today? What would it mean for this to be the beginning 
of a new church year, new school year for some, a new way of living, new commitments, letting go of old commitments. This could be the day. What would it mean for this to be the day? This is the beginning. We come to celebrate this community, coming home week after week, year after year, for the first time today, for more times than anybody can count today, and everywhere in between, we are glad you're here. Let us worship together. The light of the Spirit is shining in you. The light of the Spirit is shining in me. The light of the Spirit is shining within. So blessed we The Spirit is shining in you. The light of the Spirit is shining in me. The light of the Spirit is shining within. So blessed we may be. So blessed we may be. Hey there, everybody. Uh, Matthew Johnson here with Lindsay Trank, our Director of Religious Education. We're out here at the fire pit uh, back behind the church where our older children gather every Sunday. Um, and uh, today we are celebrating our, back, our backpack blessing. Uh, so every year we take time to bless the backpacks and the children and the school employees, the teachers and the staff who will be teaching our children this year. Most of our kids who are in school started school a week ago or two weeks ago, and we hope it's going great. We know last year was really rough. We hope this year is starting better for everybody. And uh, we sent you uh, something to put on your backpack or on your Chromebook or your materials. And Lindsay, why don't you tell folks what they're getting? Yeah, um, a colorful little package should be coming your way soon. Um, and I've included some stickers for all the children in your family. You can stick them on your water bottle or on your laptop or on your locker if you're going to in-person school. Just a reminder that your church family is thinking of you and we love you so much and we're just wishing the best, best school year for you regardless of how that will look for everybody this year. We just want it to be the best and um, know that you're never far from our thoughts. Wonderful. And as you go through the year and your days at school and all your learning, we invite you to really embody Unitarian Universalist values in your education. So what does that mean? Well, it means use your mind, mm -hmm. care for your mind and others, be curious and learning and discovering. That's part of Unitarian Universalism. And it means use your heart, care for yourself, care for the people that are working there and the other students. Look out for the kid who's not being included and include them. Uh, show how much you love others and work for justice in your school and in your life. And we're so proud of you, we love you, and we wish you the very best. Have a good year. Lindsay and I obviously reported that earlier this week. It was not live. Um, <laughs> So we are going to send that little message out on uh, Facebook so parents uh, who are here, you can share that little section with your kids so they know uh, our blessings for them. And they're going to get things that look like this in the mail. Mine arrived yesterday. Um, some things they can put on their materials this year that, to know that they are in our hearts. We hope that you are subscribed to the Kairos, our weekly newsletter. Uh, be sure to read it for announcements about upcoming events and activities. Uh, this week, um, I want to highlight that we will be having a two-session class on uh, faith and climate and how our faith can call us to respond to the ongoing climate crisis and work with other people of faith on this work. That'll be September 29th and October 13th, uh, both at 7 o'clock, uh, on Zoom. That class will be on Zoom only, um, so you can join us from home. Now take up an offering to support the work of justice and mercy in the world. 80% of what we collect today will go to support justice for our neighbors. 
which is an organization, a faith-based organization that works with uh, immigrants to help with everything from getting the residency paperwork to other legal matters uh, to social supports. Many of our folks here volunteered at the Justice for Our Neighbors Clinic in Rockford at Court Street United Methodist Church, um, have served on the board and helped that organization thrive. You can uh, put a check or cash in the basket or in the box by the door or text the number on the screen. The offering will now be given and received. Good morning. It's so nice to see all of you here. Happy homecoming. Today we are going to learn ways to repair the world. Sometimes I feel like I'm not a good Unitarian Universalist. I don't really have a cause that I participate in to help to repair or make the world a better place. I am in awe of all of you who fight for social justice and help improve the environment. I believe, as a whole, we use do a great job making the world a better place. Then I gave this idea a great deal of thought, and I have decided that I make, a better, I make the world a better place because of the youth I get to work with. The first and most important person I've influenced is my grandson, Caden. He is going to be 15 this October, and I feel because of the discussions we have had, he is very non, a very non-judgmental person who cares about everyone in his life. He will be my legacy to a better world. I have also started a new teaching position this year. I left the security of my old position because I had philosophical differences with many of the ways they treated students. I am now in a better school where the goal is for every scholar, that's what we call students, to succeed. In fact, the goal is for every student to be a college graduate. No ifs, ands, or buts. Regardless of where they came from, they will succeed. It's a new mindset for me. The school where I'm an instructor, that's what they call teachers, has three core values, grit. We believe that every scholar can be successful. We are unyielding in our work even when it's difficult. We also instill this value in our scholars. The second is drive. We are urgent in our work and push forward until we achieve the results we are working towards. We also instill this in our scholars. 
The last of the three and the most important to me is having a growth mindset. We believe that everyone can and should improve. We learn from our mistakes and continually seek out new ideas. We really instill this value in our students. Can you see why as a UU I love my work? The core values are very much the same as ours. It is one of the most rewarding positions I have ever had. It is also one of the most demanding. The payoff is great. So my contribution to a better world lies in the next generation we are leaving the planet to. I do make a difference every day. I have two homes where my heart is, my residence with my family and my school where the people I am surrounded with are family. I hope you all can find something that you are passionate about that, you, that will help to renew the world. Try and find and try and you will find your home where the heart is. So on the two and the four, my friends, you can watch Dwayne, Dwayne will stand here. Match where Dwayne is clapping uh, and hum in your heart. We are building a new way, Tim will sing. Thank you, Dwayne, Tim. I'm Amanda Tapfield, president of your board of trustees. In the Unitarian Universalist tradition, it is the right and responsibility of a congregation to select its ministers and to partner with prof professional ordained ministers in living out our faith together. Earlier this year, acting on your behalf and at the enthusiastic recommendation of our called senior minister, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Johnson, we hired the Reverend Joyce Palmer to be our assistant minister. She began in this position on August 1st and today at our annual homecoming service. We want to officially bless and honor this new ministry. 
Reverend Joyce and I will be working together on a detailed covenant, which we will share with you, the congregation. And the board and she and I have already established her core responsibilities for adult spiritual growth, pastoral care, membership, and welcome. We enter into this partnership and ministry with strong hopes, a commitment to collegial support, clear responsibilities, and a love for this church, its people, and our shared faith. Today, we come to bless this ministry. Will the members of this church speak aloud the words printed on your screen? We are thankful for the gifts of leadership, presence, and service shared with us by ordained ministers, grateful for the collegial partnership between all the ministers who serve this church and committed to answering our own calls to love and service. We, the members of the Unitarian Universalist Church, Rockford, do bless and affirm you, the Reverend Joyce Palmer, and your ministry with us. We are grateful for your training, experience, and the gifts you bring to this shared ministry. We promise to support your ministry and the team that you, Reverend Matthew, and the whole staff make together. We are glad you are with us. With joy, commitment, and gratitude, I take up the ministry to which you have appointed me. I pledge to speak the truth in love, to share the ministry with my colleagues and team members and with you, and to be faithful to our shared values and living tradition. We give thanks that Reverend Joyce is among us to do ministry with us all and rejoice in this shared work that is before us. Thank you for saying yes to this ministry and we are all so excited to see what we can do together. Thank you. Please join me in responsive reading number 465, The Wisdom to Survive. I will begin and ask that you read the italicized portion. If we will have the wisdom to survive, to stand like slow growing trees on a ruined place, if we will make our seasons welcome here, asking not too much of earth or heaven, their houses strongly placed upon the valley sides. And over it, bird song like a canopy. On the steeps where greed and ignorance cut down the old forest, The veins of forgotten springs will have opened. Families will be singing in the fields. They will take nothing from the ground. They will not return, whatever the grief at parting. The abundance of this place, the songs of its people and its birds will be health and wisdom and indwelling light. This is no paradisal dream. Its hardship is its possibility. I invite you now into a time of meditation and prayer and centering. 
Our words today were written by Reverend Gary Kowalski. Our time is short here on earth. Around us swirl immensities of time and space. A universe infinite in all directions. How small our hopes and cares seem amid the panorama of creation. Yet we are not separate from the cosmos, but have evolved and grown out of it, like the leaves of a tree or the waves upon a sea. And our thoughts are its thoughts, our lives a manifestation of never-ending vitality, our spirits a microcosm of the beauty and creativity of the whole. Fill us then with reverence and compassion for all who are our kin, cloud and sun, sibling and cousin, the multitude of beings who share this improbable and never-to-be-repeated moment, all expressions like ourselves of the mind at large, the spirit at play, in whom we live and move, in whom we will never know. Let us pause now for a moment of silence. Amen. In a few weeks, I will make my regular visit to a local apple orchard. Visiting the apple orchard is my way of acknowledging the changing season and to welcome it with gladness. I also go for the apple donuts, the warm cider, and a bag of freshly picked apples. I try to eat apples regularly, so eating apples is not so special but eating an apple that was picked by me or freshly picked makes the ordinary special. Today, I am thinking of the apple as the fruit that allows the apple to spread its seeds. Some of those seeds survive and become new trees, which create a whole new generation of apples. We who are parents, grandparents, activists, organizers, concerned citizens, know a thing or two about planting seeds. These are, there are times when there appears that nothing is happening. We've done all that we can do, and still nothing. There are times when we understand that our seed will not flourish until long after we are gone. How do we continue to nurture a seed we will not see bloom? How do we avoid the feelings of despair and negativity in the meantime? Despair is the loss of hope and it is deadening to the soul. When the work we have done to nourish our seeds is not evident, we can begin to experience despair. To despair is more like an attitude than an action, yet it can make us cynical and cause great pain and grief, not only in us, but for those around us as well. Overcoming despair is not as simple as walking away or making a choice to live an ethical life. Despair is not easily turned off once it has taken root in our hearts and minds. Despair grows and flourishes when our thinking is held captive by negativity and our bodies are weary. Living well and maintaining our sense of hope are the remedies for despair. Living well means, among other things, that we reflect on our actions, make amends when we have harmed someone, and seek to make healthy choices, like nurturing ourselves with good food and rest, exercise, and time with family and friends. Living well means we take steps to grow our character, like the slow-growing trees from our reading, who over time have learned the wisdom to survive with our sense of hope intact. Hope is that feeling of expectation, a desire or a wish for a certain thing to happen, 
and hope is strengthened as we gather. Hope is carried into the work we do, the relationships we nurture, the seeds that we plant. When we allow hope to saturate our being, we can continue the work with a more joyful and peaceful spirit. So I wanna share with you an ancient prayer that I've edited, written by the great St. Patrick, which centers the priority of hope. Hope behind and before me, hope beneath and above me, hope with me and in me, hope around and about me, hope on my left and on my right, hope when I rise in the morning, hope when I lie down at night, hope in each heart that thinks of me, hope in each mouth that speaks of me, hope in each eye that sees me, hope in each ear that hears me. Hope is not the dream of a paradise. It is the belief that the hard work of planting the seed and within the seed itself, like all the possibilities we need, may it be so.
And we will not forget the past. We forever mourn, rebuild what has been broken, mend what has been torn. Repair the world, Takum Alam. It was a clear blue sky day, 20 years and a day ago, when the towers came down and the horror of that day was for all those lost, people at work living their lives, going about their business, traveling, just being. And the horror was too for at least many of us that we could see the whole bloody path ahead. Wars and conflict and hatred, though not even the pessimists among us, I think, imagine that the war that began a few days later would last 20 years. You hear that message sometimes, don't forget, do not forget, we will forever mourn. And I wonder how much of that is performative, political, a genuflection instead of a sincere statement. And what are we remembering and what are we forgetting? Now, some, of course, will never forget. The day or the war is personal and close. They know a name or many and they feel it in their bones. For others, such things slip into a memory not present but only recalled on occasion, on anniversaries or at certain other times. This morning, I, I do not call for you to hold on to the memory of trauma, to nurture the spirit of revenge, or to think only of sorrow. Not at all. Not those things. But we do mourn what is lost and resolve to mend what is torn and heal what is wounded, to repair the world, Takun Awam. That is what we're called to do, what we're summoned toward in our hope, grounded in our hope, our sense that we plant seeds that will take time, but for what purpose? To repair the world, to spread love into the world. This phrase, Takum Awam, repair the world, is our touchstone theme for the year. We have monthly themes and a yearly theme, which shows up here and there, when I noted that this year's theme was repair of the world, I thought how appropriate that was. The folks who run the Touchstones themes to which we subscribe chose well. Tikkun Olam is a Jewish concept. It's a sacred religious obligation, tikkun, repair, from the prophets and from God to release the prisoner, to feed the hungry, to mend wounds. The concept comes out of the Jewish experience of exile, oppression, and out of the power of community to heal what is broken. As I said in the Passover Haggadah, as we were slaves in Egypt, so we must work against slavery in all its forms today. We are still in the midst of the Jewish High Holidays. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, comes later this week, a day of somber reflection and commitment to repair, to heal, to build, to be more holy. Memory, repair. What do we mourn? What do we remember? What are we going to do about it? We've been having a lot of debates about memory and repair over the last few years in this country, haven't we? What is the debate about the 1619 Project or critical race theory, but a debate about memory, about the stories we tell, and about whether or not we owe a duty of repair to what has come before? And there's also a great debate happening right now about both the pandemic and the attempted insurrection, which, if you can believe it, was still in this calendar year, back in January. Some seem to want to forget, or forget what happened, or who is responsible for what has happened. To act like the deaths and the illness and the pandemic, or the destruction, the failures, the disasters of recent memory, never really happened. It was just tourists taking an unauthorized tour. But we must refuse 
this deliberate forgetting, this attempt to send the past down the memory hole, we must remember so that we know what must be repaired, what needs to be healed and mended and rebuilt or built new. The concept of tikkun, repair, does not require guilt. We have this sense too much, I think, in our current culture that we are only responsible to heal harm if we ourselves have caused it. But that's just not true because we are part of one human family. We plant trees that will bear fruit long after we are gone. We're responsible for each other. You can engage in the work of repair without being the one who caused the harm, whether you caused it or benefited from it or are harmed by it or it's distant from you or a little bit of all of the above. You're still called to tikkun, to repair. So as we approach this church year together, we are called to repair, to mend and heal, to build and make just. Because we see now, if we didn't already, what must be mended. If they were not already, our eyes, our ears, and our hearts should now be fully open. So what does repair look like? Grounded in hope, not despair, what does repair look like? Well, it can be global. Things like making sure the whole world, not just wealthy countries, have access to vaccines and clean water and economic justice, a livable climate. And it can look like refu welcoming refugees from war, especially including right now Afghans, and refugees from climate and attendant economic disasters around the world or from other parts of the United States. And it can look like seeking to repair the deep damage from colonial and imperial history so that folks around the world have lives of peace and security and dignity. That's what repair can look like. In the United States and in Rockford, Illinois, repair means repair to our criminal so-called justice system, to our unequal economy. It means dealing honestly with corruption and threats to democracy. But repair and mending and healing is also more personal, closer closer to our everyday lives. It's not just about what you read in the newspaper or see on your feed. It's about your heart and your communities and your families. Repair can look like how we teach and mentor. As Matthew was talking about parents' experience and grandparents' experience, it can be in those concrete relationships. Is the repair that needs to happen in your beloved relationships a wound that needs healing or something torn that can be mended. Not everything torn can be mended. Let me be clear. But sometimes it can. With a friendship or a family member, what might repair look like? How would it feel? I'm also thinking today as we gather for our homecoming service, what repair might look like for our church. And this is an unusual homecoming service. Typically, we, I would have the children with us in the room the whole time. There'd be lots of singing from the choir. We would maybe do a ritual where people come up and pour water together into a common bowl. We're not doing those things. And after being online only for 14 months and now back in person for three and still dealing clearly with the pandemic and how we worship and how we are together, how do we repair and mend and rebuild our community? What do we want to do differently than we did before, for those of you who were here before? What new things are needed? What old things are we ready to let go of? What I'm noticing in talking with folks, both folks who've been here before and folks who are new, is a longing for deeper relationships. Things like touchstones groups or personal friendships or things where we connect with other people, things that lift up our families and our spirits. Those things seem to matter. People are doing those things. Busy work, extra meetings for the sake of meeting. People are not so interested. And maybe that's not so bad. <laughs> maybe that's just fine. This year, as we continue to navigate what's best for public health, it's all the time for us to consider what it means to repair and rebuild and to be intentional about that work together. 
And so I hope you join that conversation with the staff and the board and the leaders of this church are going to be having this year. Be part of that. And tikkun, repair, can also mean about our own souls, about our own hearts. What there in your heart might need some extra love, some extra mending, some letting go? In what ways do you want to build a new way in your new life? In what ways do you want to let peace and freedom be the cry in your own heart, in your spirit? Just as long as we have breath, we are called to say yes to life, to say yes to love and to live with purpose and care. That's our affirmation. And so we're called to say yes to repair out of our spirit of hope. The good news, the good news is that the work that repairs the world, that brings justice and healing and peace to the lives of others, to our neighborhood, to friends and strangers, to our community, that good news is that that work also brings repair and purpose and joy to our own lives, to our own souls, to our spirit. This is our fundamental conviction and our experience. When we repair the world, we repair our heart. And when we repair our heart, we repair the world. When we say yes to life and to love, the world is better and our lives are better. This is our faith, our conviction, and it is our experience. So we invite you to this life of tikkun, of repair and mending and healing, this world that needs your love and care, that will be more beautiful, more whole, more just, when you join with others to do this beautiful work, this work that will, we promise, lift your souls and raise your spirits. Say yes to love and to life. And let's begin this great work of this year that is before us and this life that is before us. I invite you to hum into your mass as Tim sings, just as long as I have breath, I must answer yes. And I think everyone can say the word yes when oh, it shows up in the song. That's great. So when, it's, when it says yes, say yes. <laughs> Matthew will extinguish our chalice, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry with us until we are together again. The words for our benediction come from Wendell Berry, the same author as the responsive reading that Reverend Joyce read to you earlier. Words that uh, speak to me on this beautiful day, this late summer, that I hope you carry with us, carry with you. He writes, when despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night, 
at the least sound of what, in fear of what my life and my children's life may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. May you in the spirit of hope and grounded in love say yes to love and life and the work of repair. It is good to be together. We're gonna to sing our song benediction. We have motions for this as well, which I'll teach you. Go your way in peace. Wander as you may. Blessed is the path you take. May love guide you on your way. I invite you to rise in body or spirit and join in the motions for our song benediction. path you